0: Kane was there! Kane was there too! Yeah! No enhancement needed. This thing Monday Night Raw! This is my friend. It's WrestleRant Radio. I just got done talking yesterday on Hashtag AskGSM how No Time to Die, the new 007 movie, was among my most anticipated movies for 2020. Um, It was supposed to come out maybe in early April and may have gotten bumped to mid-April. Because I remember looking at the dates, hoping it would come out over WrestleMania weekend. It wasn't. Um, or in March, because I was looking for something to go see when I'm in Anaheim next month. I think it was supposed to come out Good Friday, the weekend of Easter. And I literally just saw that as of maybe two or three days ago. I was going to go see it with my brother when he was home from school. Worked out perfectly. Only to find out this morning, I guess news broke on Wednesday, that the movie has since been delayed, pushed back to November of 2020, due to the coronavirus. Now, I'm not exactly sure why. I didn't look too much into it, but I would assume it has to do with the title of the movie. Um, No Time to Die um, might be an ill-timed title for a movie to be coming out in April, considering the coronavirus is now worse than it's been um, up to this point. Which isn't to say that it's this... You know uh, this 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 outbreak. That I mean, people should be worried and whatnot. People should be taking the proper precautions. But it's not like a, a world-killing disease. Like it's not like it's causing cancer or something along those lines. That's not to say that it's not um, important or that it should be taken lightly by any means. I'm not you know advising that at all. But what I am saying is that I mean, this is kind of widespread. I, I'm sure I'm not the only person who thinks this. That the news is completely blowing this out of proportion. I mean, I was around for the swine flu, as many other people were, I'm sure, that that, that are listening to this. Unless you're under the age of 10, you were probably around for the H1N1 10 years ago. Um, That was a little over 10 years ago. I got it literally. The timing could not have been worse. Halloween is my favorite holiday. I got it for Halloween 2009. I was a freshman in high school. And yes, by that point, I was still going out. Not trick-or-treating, but going out dressed up and whatnot. I was ready to go out that weekend, Halloween was on a Saturday, I had my referee zombie costume all set, and then literally a day before Halloween on Mischief Night, as we call it here in the Northeast, I'm not sure if any other part of the country calls it that, there's a lot of people who don't know what Mischief Night is, maybe that's a Connecticut, Northeast thing, I don't know, anyway, um, so I was all ready to go out, and then I got sick that night the 30th, the night of the 30th and Halloween was that Saturday, I could not go out, I had to stay home, it was fucking terrible, I was sick for like a week and a half, I still went to SmackDown that Tuesday, that shit was not gonna stop me from going to my first WWE show, that Tuesday at the Dunkin' Donuts Center, uh, the Dunkin' Donuts Center in in Rhode Island, had a great time, I think I felt better by Monday, we went to the show on Tuesday, I think that's what got me sick again, because they went to School the next day, didn't feel all too well, came home, threw up again. And a bit of a weird fun fact, not really a fun fact, I guess might be the wrong word to use here. I I have not thrown up since, and that was over a decade ago. So that goes to show how bad the swine flu was, that I have not thrown up since that point in time. I have not vomited since I had the H1N1, the swine flu, as it was called at that point, over a decade ago. The point of all of this is that I don't think the coronavirus, at least here in the United States... I do absolutely understand why other countries are taking um, a different approach to this because it's you know breaking out everywhere in the world right now. Specifically, over in China, Japan, I know New Japan Pro Wrestling canceled a lot of their shows for the month of March, um, taking precautions not you know to ensure that it doesn't get worse. And I absolutely understand that they should be doing stuff like that. Um, there are a number of cases documented here in the states since, you know, even the past week, I've seen a lot new, you know, you log online, you log on to Twitter, Facebook, whatever, and you see another five new cases confirmed for California, Florida, here in the Northeast, New York, it's everywhere, it's everywhere, but you can't live in fear, now I did see that there was a case confirmed for Tampa Bay the other day, which I don't know what that means for WrestleMania, I know WWE has come out and said, as many other entertainment events are planning and doing here in the U.S., which is key because, again, there's other countries that are doing other things because it's worse elsewhere than it is here, at least right now. We're not going to cancel WrestleMania. I would be very surprised, but it may not be up to WWE to cancel WrestleMania. If it gets worse, and there's a lot more people who have it at that point, and people come from all over the world to watch WrestleMania. This is not your typical NBA game or a football game or whatever. It's WrestleMania, which brings in 80,000 people, if not more, every single year to one area that may or may not, I mean, it's already been confirmed that there's at least one person in that area that has the coronavirus. Now, I'm not sure if that person's been contained or what the, you know, update on that situation is, but it's it's not good. It's definitely not good. I thought, you know, delaying the movie was a little much, but, hey, if that's, you know, if it's one of those sensitive things where it's like, ah, the title may not be the best title, um, and we don't want to change the title, the movie was supposed to come out literally in a month from now. Um, it might be too late for that. But I was just wondering why November, like why not June or July, like maybe I'm just selfish because I want to see the movie so bad, that was like one of the few movies I was looking forward to this year and it's not coming out till fucking November, um, the same thing happened not because of the coronavirus, but Godzilla and Kong, Godzilla versus Kong was supposed to come out I think in May, March or May, I think this month, and it got bumped a few months ago to the end of the year. So, that kind of sucks. So, there's not many movies I'm looking forward to. I don't know why I'm talking about movies when this is a wrestling podcast. And I know the coronavirus, that has been a very big topic among wrestling fans and really the entire world lately. Um, There's just not many movies I'm looking forward to coming up soon. But I forgot to mention this. My Spy actually comes out. I think I did mention this on Hashtag Ask Starring Batista, the all-new WWE Hall of Famer um, as of WrestleMania weekend this year. The newly inducted Hall of Famer. Uh, newly enshrined, um, he's going to be in My Spy coming out while I'm away in California next, I was going to say next month, I'm actually leaving in a couple weeks, I'm actually leaving next week, so what I think I'm going to do is record this show next Thursday, and then the week after that I'll probably pre-record Hashtag Ask GSM for the subsequent Wednesday before I leave, just because I will be gone all day Um the Wednesday of the what is it, the 18th? I think the day that Luke Harper, Brody Lee, is uh, is projected to come into AEW, which sucks, I'll be missing that show live, but what I'll probably do is this, we'll record Wrestle Rant Radio on the day I get back, but after watching NXT and Dynamite, and I may record it with Alexis, and I think she's off from uh, school that week on spring break, so we'll probably end up doing that. But uh, other than the coronavirus stuff, everything's all well and good on my end. I'm very much looking forward to being in Anaheim, California next weekend. Uh, with my brother Jackson, we're going to Disneyland, going to California Adventure, uh, probably checking out Angel Stadium, very cool stuff, my first time in California in about almost 15 years, 13 years, since 2007, and I've never actually been to Anaheim before, I was in um, San Francisco the last time I was there. So it's going to be a fun time in Disneyland, my first time at Disneyland. Um, I know the week that I'll be gone. I'll still be hopefully watching and, and, and keeping up with all the wrestling. That's the hope anyway. Um, it's kind of hard to do when you're away, but I'll be trying to do that. And it does help that all the events are three hours earlier over there. So Raw airs at 5. That's perfect. They may not be around at 5, but by 8 o'clock and it's over at you know on Pacific time, I can catch you up on it commercial free. So, maybe I have to move over to California full time to get the uh, full scoop on all the shows and whatnot and and, and watch them. Um, Not as they're airing live, which sometimes you want to do, but here on the East Coast to get stuff. Because I'll watch, I'll I'll go home, try to record a review, not to record a review, but write my review and everything else. And next thing you know, it's 2 a.m. But if you're in the Pacific time, it's like 11 a.m. or 11 p.m. Did I say 11 a.m. or 2 a.m., but. Um, It could be 11 p.m. over there because there's a three-hour time difference. So anyway, um, in the week that I'm away, actually, this news just broke minutes before I started recording. Stone Cold Steve Austin returning to Monday Night Raw on Monday, March 16th. How fitting is that? They finally went through with it. I've been saying this for years. They had to get Stone Cold on an episode of Raw on March 16th, 316, baby, and they're doing it this year. And it works out because it's the road to WrestleMania. And they've come close to getting him on Raw um, in the month of March before on that day, but it just never really quite worked out. I remember one episode 10 years ago. I want to say it was like March 15th or something like that, where I'm pretty sure it was like the 15th, where Stone Cold came back to Raw to officiate a contract signing between like Bret Hart and Vince before their WrestleMania match. And um, it was cool, but like... Being the calendar mark that I am, for lack of a better term, it would be cool to get him on Raw on that exact day. And uh, that's going to happen this year. Um, Ten years later, you know, uh, I mean, he was on Raw previously. He was on Raw as recently as a few months ago at the Raw. Actually, that I was at a Madison Square Garden with Alexis, which was Electric Live. And I will not be at this one. They will be at Philadelphia, I think, for that show. Um, Not this coming Monday, but the Monday after that. I'm not sure what role he'll have on the show, but it's always cool to see Stone Cold nonetheless. He's doing a lot of work lately with WWE between all the appearances. He has his new... uh, you know, USA Network show, which the first season was very good, I think they only did five or six episodes, Um, they're doing season two, coming up very soon, I think confirmed for for maybe this summer, I'm not sure if that's what he's promoting, or uh, exactly what he's promoting, but uh, he's had the new network show as well, not just the USA Network show, but also the WWE Network show, not Stone Cold Podcast, but rather Broken School Sessions, which uh, the last couple episodes of have been very, very good, if you're not keeping up with it, the Undertaker one was great, the Goldberg one was very good. They did two others with Kane and Big Show. A lot of Attitude Era guys, but that's who Stone Cold knows from his era, so I get it. But hopefully, at some point, we can get people on like Randy Orton would be awesome. We don't really hear Orton too often those type of settings, so um, so check that out. I'm going really down the rabbit hole here in terms of stuff that's just popping up in my mind to talk about. But before we go any further, this is Wrestle Rant Radio for Thursday, March fifth, two thousand and twenty. Hope you guys are doing well. Graham, Jesus, and Matthews here. It is Mama Matthews' birthday, not that that's her name, but it is my mother's birthday today, so happy birthday to her. I know she's not listening to this, but happy birthday to my uh, lovely mother. Um, lot to talk about here today between AEW Revolution from Saturday night. We have Raw from Monday, NXT, Dynamite. I have, I have no idea how much time I'll devote to each review. Sometimes I say that the show goes exactly an hour. Other times I say that the show goes to an hour and a half like last week. It was a little longer than usual because I had a lot to get to Uh, between Super Showdown and the rant that I went on. And um, I I was on a tear last week. I don't think this week will be quite as animated, which is a good thing. You know, sometimes it adds its pros and cons. Um, It is nice to have a week where I'm not entirely frustrated about the world of wrestling, specifically WWE and some of the dumb shit that they do. Um, This week was a much better week. I thought NXT, after having a few slow weeks for whatever reason, Um, I thought they were kind of back on track this week with a very good show on Wednesday. I thoroughly enjoyed Dynamite, the post-pay-per-view edition on Wednesday night. Um, Evolution. Um, That's a great stable, too. They're going in, not the Hall of Fame. Um, They did the uh, Ruthless Aggression episode a couple weeks ago on the network, which was great. But we had a Revolution, rather, on Saturday from AEW. That was a great show, too. And I thought Raw was solid as usual on Monday night. So, overall, a pretty good week of wrestling, and we still have another pay-per-view to go on Sunday in WWE Elimination Chamber, so there is a lot to get to here today, I thought there may have been one other, oh yeah, so I was at Evolve on Saturday with Alexis, and we had a fun time, we've been to Evolve before, um, to meet Johnny Gargano, Candice, we talked to Tommaso, we didn't get a picture with him, so we kind of technically met him, I didn't get a picture with him though, Walter, Kassiusono, back in September, and we had a good time, and it was a great, you know, it was a good experience. We were waiting outside for like a half an hour when they said they were supposed to be opening the doors, and they didn't. Um, this one was way worse, though, in terms of organization. Maybe because it was streaming live for free, or I don't know. It was a bigger venue. That one, the first one, took place at the, um, some church, some Catholic church in Brooklyn. And it took a lot longer to get there, but it was worth it. This one um, took place in Queens, um, at La Boom, L.A. Boom, whatever, I think it's La Boom, it's like a, like a club, I guess, a little bit, it definitely had a club feel, um, but the whole thing was terribly organized, an absolute fucking nightmare, well, first of all, they did not open the doors as scheduled, they did not open the doors until, like, 6 o'clock, because we got there a little after 5.30 when they said they were supposed to be opening the doors, the show was scheduled to start at 6, by the way, the meet-and-greet was supposed to be at 5.30. That didn't even happen. We you get closer to the door, they separate the men from the women in two different lines. How much sense does that make? Now, I know the thought behind it, the mindset was, oh, we'll search the men, we'll search the women, we have to search the women's bags, blah, blah, blah. That still makes no sense. You should approach the front of the line together, and then you branch off and have the men search the men and the women search the women. If you want to do it that way, that makes sense. To do two different lines well ahead of when you're supposed to be getting in the door, it makes absolutely no sense, because the guys breezed through, because we have no bags for the most part, and the woman that was searching the ladies um, was way more extensive for absolutely no reason, it made Alexis uncomfortable, they searched her more than they should have, they went into her wallet, it was very weird, um, and then I was waiting for like five minutes by the door, and they were asking me why I was waiting there, I'm like, dude, you idiot, like i waiting for my girlfriend, it was it was a very odd experience, and then we were literally waiting in line to meet, which was great. And it's well worth it. I'm not complaining about the the show itself. I thought the in-ring action was entertaining. Rhea Ripley, Tommaso, and Keith Lee were all amazing. Um, but we get in the arena a little after 6, when the show, when the show is scheduled to start. And the, the show starts. We were waiting in line for literally the entire show. So after we met Keith Lee, Tommaso, and Rhea Ripley... Again, who were all great, and we had a great experience. I actually got a great video of Keith Lee appreciating Alexis's artwork. Um, it's up on my Twitter page from a few days ago. So it was well worth it for that alone, but we were waiting in the, in the line for these guys the entire show. That's how slow the line moved. Dude, I waited in a, in a shorter line for Batista, and that was two and a half hours. We were literally waiting in line for at least two hours, two and a half hours, to meet these people. And I, I love them, I love the NXT stars, but we met in line, we waited in line for maybe 10 minutes to meet Johnny Gargano six months ago. Why would it be two and a half hours for these people? The people they, the, the people that were in charge of the line were not paying attention, they had no idea what was going on, no one was moving for very large periods of time, it was very uncomfortable, there was nowhere to sit anyway. It, it was very bizarre, no organization whatsoever, so... Fuck of all for that, because I thought that was really shitty. Again, it was cool to meet the wrestlers, and it was well worth it for that. I cannot stress that enough. But they got to do a better job, at least when it comes to that venue, of organizing these events and making sure people get in, get out. Like, I get that people want to talk to the, the you know, they, the fans want to talk to the wrestlers. That That's what we do, so I don't blame people for doing that. It wasn't even the fans' fault, though. There were people that were supposed to be taking the fans' money to meet these people, and they weren't even paying attention. It was completely ridiculous, so, um, they gotta work on that for next time, um, if, if, you know, if I go back another time, we'll see, I mean, they have a lot of big stars go to these shows, again, we got to meet Gargano, and Cole was there for a show a few months ago, we got to meet Walter and Cassius ono. and the wrestlers themselves are great, and the shows are entertaining, and Keith Lee made an appearance right before we left in the main event, um, but they gotta do a better job with the lines, I thought that was completely inexcusable. Northeast Wrestling, I cannot praise enough. I've been going to their shows now for over a decade, and I've never had a bad experience. Um, And they always bring out the top talent. They're actually bringing in Sammy Guevara for a show. And I want to say Waterbury, Connecticut, which is where we were about a month or so ago for the the over-the-top show. They're like their version of the Royal Rumble where we got to meet Darby Allin, Marty Skrull, Gorillas of Destiny, Bob Backlund and a few others. Um, They're bringing in Sammy Guevara, for a show at the end of this month, which I don't know if we'll be in attendance for, I'm not exactly sure yet. But um, yeah, you know, in between that and we're going to the big event on Saturday in New York again. Um, Matt Hardy's going to be there, newly uh, you know, new free agent on the scene, which I'll we'll talk more about in my revelation in my revolution review in regards to what's next for Matt Hardy and where we could see him pop up next and what happened with Matt Hardy this past week in his Free the Delete series. Um, so he'll be there and a number of other WWE stars, indie stars, AEW stars. Um it's gonna be cool. So I'm looking forward to that on Saturday, leaving next week for Anaheim. It's a pretty good week, and then WrestleMania is right around the corner, so there's really not to complain about. There's not a lot to complain about in my mind right now. But uh yeah, we'll get right into the revolution review right here, right now from AEW on Saturday night. Did not get the chance to watch live, but I thoroughly enjoyed it when I watched it on Sunday, uh due to the Evolve show being on Saturday, on Leap Day no less. So on the pre-show, we saw the Dark Order knockoff SCU in a pretty bland match. It was all right. Colt Cabana makes the save afterward in addition to a dark hooded figure that ended up being Christopher Daniels. Now, when I saw the figure come out, I'm um, oh shit, it looks like Daniels from based off his frame. And then he unveiled himself and I'm like, holy shit, Christopher Daniels cannot be the exalted one. After all this time and all the, the teases and it just being made to be... And it, it, the fact that it was made to be way too obvious, it cannot be Christopher Daniels. And thankfully, it was not. He took the hooded, you know, cap off, whatever, jumped in the ring, came to the aid of SCU. We still have no idea where he's been this entire time and why he hasn't saved SCU from their attacks at the hands of the Dark Order over the past couple of months. I have no idea about that. Um, but at least he finally reunited with, Christopher, or with uh, Frankie Kazarian and Scorpio Sky. I thought that was cool. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, we had that and the match was all right and, and there was a tease for the exalted one that didn't deliver it. So here's my two cents on the exalted one stuff. There's a lot of people that it could be. I talked about this before. In my mind, I've officially gotten my hopes up and I'll be disappointed quite honestly if it's anyone else. It's gotta be Matt Hardy. It's gotta be broken, Matt. So here's the latest on the broken Matt front. His contract was set to expire on Sunday, March second. We've heard these rumors for months now, dating back to like late last year. We've heard about these Matt Hardy rumors. His contract was coming due. I think Jess's contract was also supposed to expire, but because he got hurt for so long, he was out for like he's been out for almost a year now since uh, the spring of 2019. His contract has been pushed back. I, w- I wouldn't be surprised that if his contract got pushed to uh, 2021 due to all the injuries and the setbacks that he's had and all the TV time that he's missed. So he should be back soon. He was on backstage on Tuesday, announcing that he is cleared for competition. He could be back any day now. He's just waiting for SmackDown and creative to give him something. He's been at backstage at SmackDown the last two weeks. So it looks like he's returning to SmackDown, which he probably should. Um, I don't think really Raw needs him right now. I think he's a better fit for SmackDown, which is... Kind of where he made home back in 2008-2009. That's where he won all those WWE World Heavyweight Championships and whatnot. But um, anyway, so uh, back to the Matt Hardy front. That uh, Both of their contracts were supposed to expire. Jeff's contract got pushed back probably until later on this year, early 2021. And I'm not even convinced that he's leaving. He seems way more content in WWE. Um, they seem way more willing to push him on his own than Matt Hardy for whatever reason. I know Matt Hardy or... Rather, Jeff has more marketability, he's more over on his own, whatever, just because he's Jeff frickin' Hardy. He doesn't really have to reinvent himself, because he's Jeff Hardy, people love him naturally. Uh, Matt is the king of reinvention, he's over, and he can be over, but they just have always favored Jeff over Matt, for whatever reason. And I can, I can understand why, but he does deserve some credit, a lot of credit, actually, Matt does, for being the master of reinvention, Constantly. Uh, innovation, and coming up with all these characters over the past 20 years that always get over. So anyway, um, his contract was supposed to expire on Sunday. He put up a video at midnight on Sunday, being the brilliant businessman that he is. Uh, Matt gets it. He gets it. He knew all eyes would be on him and what he would be doing next. So in his YouTube video that went out on Sunday at midnight, he announced that he is indeed a free agent. Um, he is not choosing to re-sign with WWE at this time. He did acknowledge that he could wind right back up in WWE. He could go anywhere he wants, really, um, and I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. There is a very good chance after what we saw on Wednesday on Free the Delete that that's merely, uh, you know, a, a short-lived thing. It's just for his show. It doesn't really mean anything, and then. You never know, I mean, he could wind back up in WWE in a few months, and I know there's a lot of rumors going around right now that he could go to NXT, which I do not think is a good fit. I love Matt Hardy, I love NXT, I hate the idea of Matt Hardy in NXT, because I don't really think the broken character fits that, you know, the vibe of NXT, especially since that brand is way more, you know, in-ring based, the guy isn't really, his strong suit is not in the ring anymore, and he could still go in there and have a good match, I'm sure, but... You know, it's all about the character stuff. And NXT needs more character stuff, but it feels like a weird fit. And I don't think the Hardy Boys together should go to NXT. I don't think Matt is interested in another Hardy Boys tag team title run. Um, They kind of got that last year and a couple years ago, and they're over together. But it's time for Matt to do something on his own again. And they just weren't interested in doing that, so we turned them down. He could always go to NXT. He could go back to Raw or SmackDown. But he did acknowledge in his video that he'll be watching, you know, he has watched this week Impact, which he tweeted about on Tuesday. Um, I saw him reply to a, a Ring of Honor-based tweet, a Ring of Honor-themed tweet from Ian Riccoboni, uh, the play-by-play commentator for Ring of Honor. You know, I think he tweeted about how it was three years ago this week that the Hardy Boys, uh, the uh, Broken Hardy Boys, showed up in Ring of Honor and won the Ring of Honor World Tag Team titles at the Manhattan Mayhem show, which was an absolutely amazing moment. I was not there for that. I did not watch it live. I don't think it was like a live show at that point. Um, It was like a glorified house show. But I remember Twitter blowing up and people asking whether this meant that they would still return to WWE. It was a very exciting month for the Hardy Boys um, in March of 2017. And it kind of feels like we're going through that again with Jeff on his way back and Matt being a free agent now, which is cool. Um, But yeah, so... You know, he could go to Ring of Honor. He talked in that video about how he'll be watching MLW and New Japan, NWA Power, AEW, AEW Dark, all the shows. So he's really weighing his options right now. Um, And I'm sure I've talked about this before here on the show, but I I, I mean, you got to assume that AEW is the best fit. I think going back to WWE would be, it's just, it's not the time for that. I would love to see him retire there. But like he said in his video, he's got a couple good years left in the ring. I do not want to see him back in WWE doing nothing, which is, you know, Jeff's been hurt since last year. They they had the opportunity to break Matt off on his own, bring back the broken, woken stuff, or make him big money Matt with the, you don't understand how hard it is to be Matt Hardy and everything else. And they didn't do it. They chose not to do it. Um, so he's got to go do his own thing elsewhere before he can go back to WWE. Impact is absolutely an option. Absolutely an option. Do not underestimate impact um, yes he did not leave on the best of terms but the people you know that um, that were there when he left three years ago were no longer there Jeff Jarrett is no longer in charge of the company and everyone else I know Anthem is still in charge but he made amends with the Anthem months later at the end of 2017 I think Jeff Jarrett was a big reason why they never really uh, got along there at the end of the stint of the Hardy Boys and Impact And now that he's no longer there um, I think it uh, speaks volumes as to how uh, Matt Hardy views impact, and he think it might, he, he might think it's a great place to go back to and do the whole broken, woken stuff, and they've been doing this whole um, uh, dark war shit or whatever the, whatever the hell it is with Rosemary and Havoc, and um, Allie was involved at one point, point. all these other people. They've been doing that for a while. Sue Young, um, you know, he could very well maybe not get involved with that, but that type of storyline tells me that they're not opposed to doing broken, you know, type material. And you know Impact would take him back in a second. They need all the buzz they can get. Matt Hardy returning to Impact, if only for a short stint, in my opinion, would be really, really cool. I don't know what you would do with him. I don't want to see him associated with Sue Young, or I don't think he's behind the ICU stuff or whatever. You know, I don't really want to see him back in Impact. I think that's all Sammy Callahan. I think that has nothing to do with Matt Hardy. Um, I think, I mean, it would be cool to see him in Impact. I don't want to see him as the leader of the ICU in Impact, but, um, Ring of Honor is also an option. They need all the buzz they can get right now as well, and, uh, maybe not working matches. I think the Ring of Honor, the Ring of Honor vibe and that environment would be better suited for the Hardy Boys together, as opposed to Matt on his own. Um, I know they're doing the Righteous thing right now, so maybe he could fit in there, but... Personally, I think AEW is the best possible fit. That's where he belongs. That's where he should go. And the wheels might already be in motion for Matt Hardy to go to AEW if the end of the Free the Delete episode from Wednesday might be any indication. Now, from my understanding, that is not the final episode of Free the Delete. It's merely part one of a larger series finale uh, for the show on YouTube. And at the end of the episode, after all these months of the show going up, and he started the show way back when, I think in October... And he said as much on his Twitter that he had clarified that the whole idea behind the show was probably to bring back the broken character in WWE and explain why he'd be bringing it back. But now that he's no longer in WWE, he had to kind of change plans on the fly and uh, turn it into something new with um, the Young Bucks who popped up at the end of this week's episode. So he made a phone call, said, can you come here right now, blah, blah, blah. And then the SUV pulls up on the Hardy compound at the end of the episode, and out come the Young Bucks, and they say, "What's up, Matt?" And Matt, still with his back turned to Matt and Nick, says, "The Bucks of Youth. I knew you'd come." And the episode cuts out. Um, I thought it was a great ending. I thought it was very cool. They tied into the end of Be the Elite or uh, Be the Elite rather um, on Monday, so I kind of figured that this would be that. That's where this was headed. But it did not make it any less cool to see the Young Bucks. Um, at the end of that video on Wednesday. So, uh, yeah, I think that might be where he's headed. This could very well be a red herring. They could be merely on the show for an episode or two, and then that's it. He doesn't go to AEW. Matt is a very smart businessman, like I said earlier. I would be shocked if he didn't go there. I, I would be very surprised. My initial impression was that Matt Hardy was staying with WWE. That soon changed after all these comments that he made on Twitter and all this other stuff. Um, in the weeks and months that followed, in the last month or two, he's made a lot of comments on social media, as has Robbie Hardy, about you know his status with the company and the fact they don't want to take his ideas and all this other stuff, and all these comments that he's made about I only have a couple good years left, and I really want to utilize them to the best of my ability. So with that being said, I think AEW is where he should end up, and I was very disappointed he did not show up at um, I mean Revolution. I mean his contract wasn't up yet. Um, But Wednesday's Dynamite, I thought, would be where he would have shown up, and he did not, unfortunately. Um, That may merely be a case of them wanting to wait and hold off on Matt coming in. I think it's more a matter of when and not if he debuts. I think Wednesday would have been perfect, considering the timing of it coming off that ending to the the Free the Delete show on Wednesday, coming off the news that he's gone from WWE. Um, His stock has never been higher, at least not in many, many years, at least since they returned to WWE. So, I think this Wednesday would have been the time to do it. But hey, maybe they haven't put pen to paper yet. Maybe it's not official. Uh, Maybe they wait until next week or the week after, the week after that. Maybe they wait until double or nothing. I wouldn't go that far. I think that might be waiting a little too far um, and kind of, and the pop wouldn't be as big as it would have been this month, I would say, Um, or even, you know, on last night's show. But still, I think he's a perfect fit for there. And not having matches with the Young Bucks, we've already you know been there, done that. That would have been cool to see again, but Jeff Hardy's currently in WWE. We can't see that right now. Um, Matt being the leader of the bro- uh, the Broken uh, the broken Order, the Dark Order as the Exalted One, as Broken Matt, to me makes the most sense. So hopefully that is what we will soon see on Unravel and AEW in the weeks to come. Um, again, I was a little disappointed. I know a lot of people had their hopes up for a potential appearance for Matt Hardy on Wednesday's Dynamite, but may, they, they probably have this whole thing figured out. I want to give them the benefit of the doubt. It is AEW. They don't have as bad of a track record, uh, track record as WWE when it comes to not doing the right thing. They usually do, from what I've seen so far anyway. So hopefully it's more a matter of when and not if we'll see Matt Hardy in AEW because I think him as the leader of the Dark Order to me makes too much sense to not do at this point. So, also from Revolution on Saturday, which, again, I thought was a very good show overall, in the opener, which was kind of a questionable call, um, Jake Hager taking on Dustin Rhodes in his in-ring debut for AEW. Hager, that is. Um, It was a good match. I thought it was fine. Not opener-worthy, though. Um, I know an argument can be made like, oh, the crowd would not have been, you know. This is probably the best possible place for the match on the show, because the crowd would have cared even less if it was anywhere else on the show. But that's the risk that you run. You don't always put your worst match on first just because that's when the crowd is going to be at their hottest. Um, It didn't really make much sense. I would have put it on second, if anything. Um, This didn't really scream to me as being a thrilling match. It was fine. It wasn't bad. But I don't really need to see a 50-year-old Dustin Rhodes in there with uh, the former Jack Swagger. kind of feels like a match I would see on Main Event. I'm sure it's a match we've seen on Main Event or Superstars before. Um, Again, it was fine, and both guys feel, you know, rejuvenated in the ring, and they're a lot better than they were in WWE now that the handcuffs are off. But it just wasn't that thrilling of a match. I thought it was was just kind of there. At least they had the right result, though, with Jake Hager going over clean. It wouldn't have made sense to do anything else here. We then had Darby Allin versus Sammy Guevara in the match that I think should have kicked off the show. This was great. This was an awesome little sprint. They brawled before the bell a little bit. The crowd ate all of this shit up. And as I've said before, Darby Allen is over. People love Darby Allen. I love the character. He's the guy's a great wrestler. He's very likable. He's got the look. Um, you know, like I said, I was at that NAW show about a month ago with Alexis, where we met Darby Allen. Very nice guy. But what I noticed while waiting in the line for Darby was that a lot of different kids had the Darby Allen face paint on. He's getting over a lot more than people think, and he's only been in AEW. That's not even a WWE thing. Like WWE is the master. They are kings when it comes to, for the most part, um, you know, monetizing stuff and kind of making the most off of it and marketing stuff and whatever uh, merchandise. Darby Allen is only in AEW, which is a pretty still a pretty big platform, but it's not WWE. And there were still a lot of kids and adults wearing the Darby Allen face paint, so he's getting over. That's a clear indication that he's getting over. I thought this was a very fun match. They worked wonderfully together. Um, the actual match only lasted about five minutes, but that's all this needed to be, it was exactly what it needed to be, very fun match, go in there, get your shit in, get out, great stuff, I thought this was awesome, Darby Allen goes over as he should have, and now the match of the night for the AEW World Tag Team Championships, it was Hangman Adam Page and Kenny Omega defending against the Young Bucks, I'm telling you dude, I do not want Page and Omega to split up at this point. You know, I had my reservations early on about them being built up at the expense of the rest of the tag team division. For example, they were being given wins over like the Lucha Bros. The Lucha Bros have never been more directionless. Um, and I love the Lucha Bros and I really want to see them as AEW World Tag Team Champions, but losing to a makeshift tag team like Paige and Omega does them no favors. That being said though, Paige and Omega have already become the hottest tag team in the entire company and that includes the Young Bucks. Um, they are the top two tag teams in that company right now, even over the Lucha Bros in terms of like overall, um, you know, matches and fanfare and how much people care about them, all this other stuff. This match was amazing. I don't know if I would go so far as to say it was the greatest tag team match I've ever seen. Um, they were really playing up that narrative on Wednesday show when they were recapping the match. they showed quotes from, Justin Barrasso from Sports Illustrator, if that's how you pronounce his last name, they showed quotes from Brian Alvarez, Dave Meltzer, even though it's the exact same show from Figure Four Wrestling Online, but whatever. And um, I know Dave Meltzer's comment specifically said, that was the greatest tag team match I've ever seen in the United States. Again, I don't know if that would go that far. It just happened three days ago. Um, we very well may forget about it a month from now. I don't think we will. It's already one of my favorite matches of the year. No matter how you put it, no matter how you spin it, this was an awesome match. Um, coming off that great Iron Man match a week ago between Kenny Omega and Pac, um, if that wasn't my favorite match the date in AEW, this one definitely was. Both of them are up there as my favorite matches so far in the company's history. And both of them happened within three days of each other. That's how good this was. And I gotta say, Omega's really finally feeling like he's coming into his own. In um, AEW, the old, you know, the Omega of old from New Japan Pro Wrestling that we really haven't seen yet in AEW. Yeah, he had that great death match or whatever you want to call it with Moxley at the full gear pay-per-view. Very divisive match um, or de- decisive, divisive. I don't know how exactly you say it, but um, some people loved it. Some people hated it. I enjoyed it. I was in the camp that liked the match a lot. It wasn't like, oh my God, a great the greatest match of all time. Not even, just because I'm not a big death match style guy, um, but given the nature of the feud, I understood it, whatever. Um, that being said, though, it wasn't the type of Omega match that we've come to expect from him from the work that he did in New Japan. The match that he did last week with Pac in this tag team match is the Omega from New Japan, I'm telling you right now. Adam Page is awesome moreover now than he's ever been before, and that includes earlier on in his AEW run and his Ring of Honor run even, anytime over in Japan as part of the Bullet Club he's a star right now. People love the whole alcoholic drinking Adam Page thing. They're, they are fucking eating this shit up or drinking it up, I guess, for um, to make it more fitting. Adam Page is super over right now, which brings me to my next point. Do not turn him heel anytime soon. I think it would be a mistake to turn Adam, Adam Page heel um, at any point in the near future. I know that was probably where they were going with this. Maybe not to have him lose here. I always expected they would win. Um, I figured there was a chance the Young Bucks would win. My ultimate prediction was that you know Paige and Omega would retain um, just because I think it's too early to take the titles off of them. You could do the rematch on an upcoming episode of Dynamite. Do it then if you want. Um, but I, I, I figured the story was always going to culminate with Paige turning on Omega after they dropped the tag team titles and then you know building to a match probably a double or nothing. I thought it might happen at Revolution but then they won the tag team titles and that kind of threw those plans into disarray. Um, but anyway though so I, I wouldn't even do that at this point unless people really cool off on Page in the next month or so or people start to boom or whatever I don't think it's the right story to tell now it does make sense to have him turn on Omega but he's so over I think they gotta change plans and I highly doubt the Bucks were supposed to work the heel roll in that match um, I'm sure they were supposed to be the baby faces before the crowd. Before you know, they and the entire company realized, "Holy shit, we're onto something here with Adam Page." Um, it kind of seemed like they were going the predictable route with, like, "Oh, he's drinking because he's losing a lot. Now he's going to be an angry drunk, whatever." But people are eating this shit up, and he's been winning more matches as a result. So why screw that up? You know, um, I, I would keep those championships on those guys for as long as possible until people um, either get sick of them or they run out of you know teams to face. They've already beaten the Bucks. They've already beaten the Lucha Brothers. Those are the two top tag teams in that division. And I'm sure a rematch with the Bucks is inevitable. But who else do you have them face? Dustin Rhodes and QT Marshall? Probably not. Jurassic Express, Santana and Ortiz. There's a couple different options. But uh, either way, I'm loving this feud. I think this has been great so far. And again, it's great to see Adam Page finally finding his footing and even Omega finally hitting his stride as a performer as well for the first time since he came to AEW. So hopefully they can keep it up. Um, I thought this match was great. And uh, I do assume that we will see a tag team title rematch on an upcoming episode of Dynamite. Um, And selfishly, I would like to see them hold the gold for another month just because I'll be at Dynamite in a month um, in Boston on April 15th. So, of course, I want to see them team together. Maybe that's where they do the rematch. I doubt it, but it would be pretty cool. Nonetheless, though, I am looking forward to... uh, You know, uh, what else they have in store with Paige and Omega? Because so far, they have completely exceeded my expectations as the AEW World Tag Team Champions. And yes, I think this is the tag team match of the year so far. Greatest tag team match of all time. Might be taking it a step too far, but uh, it's up there. This was awesome. Unfortunately, not so awesome was the AEW Women's Championship match between Nyla Rose and Chris Statlander. I thought this sucked. And uh, so here's the thing with Nyla Rose. I've never been her biggest fan. I've never been her biggest fan. I think she's been decent lately. Um, You know, I think she's had some decent matches. I thought the the Rio match was very good. The second one, the first one was kind of, eh, I thought the rematch was great. She really won me over with that interview. Now, not that this is really tied to her wrestling personality, but she really won me over with the Jericho interview that she did about a week or two ago on Talk is Jericho. And I thought they had a great conversation. I really enjoyed it. She came across as a really likable person. The issue is her in-ring ability. She still sucks in the ring. Now, again, the Rio match was really good, and Chris Statlander deserves blame for this, too. It's not solely a Nyla Rose problem, but there were a few different issues with the match. First of all, Nyla Rose is not that good, but the Rio match had the story built in. You know, I had that story built in with the pre-existing chemistry and the history from a few months earlier, and it just made sense, better crowd, whatever. Not a better crowd, because this Chicago crowd was largely on fire for most of the show, this match had almost no build. Literally no reason to do the match whatsoever. We had that Nyla Rose promo a week after she won the championship on Dynamite, and, and Statlander came out, and then Big Swole for some reason. Um, I'm not really sure why Statlander got the shot over Swole. Probably because Statlander's higher in the rankings, I think. But she wasn't even number one, so why did she get a title shot? And they didn't build the match on the Wednesday before the show, I don't think, from what I can recall, so there really was no build for the match at all. No real reason for it to happen. I think a Nyla rose Reho rematch would have been way better, but maybe Reho was... No, I was going to say Riho was busy, but she was actually on the dark match. She was in the dark match before the show. So that's bullshit. Um, so that they didn't put her in that spot over Chris Statlander, and I like Chris Statlander a lot, but I would have built the Statlander being the woman to take that championship from Nyla Rose, not go for it in Nyla Rose's first title defense and then get beat decisively, the finish did not look good. There were a lot of awkward spots. You know Statlander's coming off a week of the flu or whatever. That's why she wasn't on Wednesday's show. Just just not a good match at all. Not a good showing for either woman. So hopefully we get a rematch at some point and they can make up for it. But it also could be a case that they just don't have great chemistry. Nella Rose just works better with the smaller women like Riho. Um, I know Hakura isn't as small as Riho, but, you know, she's not... I I feel like Statlander is more on Nyla Rose's playing field um, in terms of, like, more dominant and whatnot. Hakura Shida, I don't really look at as being dominant, but she is also very, very good. So maybe she can get a better match out of Nyla Rose. We will soon see, but it looks like they are setting up probably Big Swole for a championship opportunity if her recent wins on Dark and now on Dynamite this week or any indication. Um, The MJF and Cody match, that was good, not great. I thought it was pretty good. I enjoyed it overall. Um, I know every Cody match is smoke and mirrors and the shenanigans and the interference. I felt like this one had too much of it though. Just way too much bullshit between Brandi Rhodes getting involved, Wardlow, um, Art Anderson. You had the belt for some reason the, the, the fucking weight buckle, the, the weight belt. Cody whipped him with it and the referee did nothing about it. He allowed it for absolutely no reason. You know, one of the Bucks getting, like, power-bombed into a table at ringside during the tag team title match, I was willing to excuse that, even though that would probably constitute normally for a disqualification, assuming the referee was watching that, but the belt thing was just ridiculous, um, so he did not get DQ'd for that, and, you know, the downstate performance was not good, I love downstate performances for, like, Ryder's theme, Ziggler's theme, um, The Miz, Alex Riley, and a few others, this match was It's it's just their performance here for this match was terrible and the neck tattoo did not help matters either again It's his body. He can do what he wants But I just thought it looked dumb as hell that tattoo it it, it, you know It's a cool design, but I don't really know why a he would want to get his own like brand tattooed on his body seems a little weird to me and um, Second thing being why on his neck It just seems very odd but, uh, yeah, I'm, you know, if nothing else, I'm glad MJF won. I think it would have been very premature to have MJF win the first match in their feud. I'm sure it will continue. We didn't really see much progression of the program on Wednesday's Dynamite. They kind of moved in different directions. Um, MJF will be in a completely different match altogether um, at the Dynamite next week. I think it's Jurassic Express versus MJF and uh, the Butcher and the Blade So, uh, yeah, so it looks like they won't be doing the rematch anytime soon. Maybe double or nothing. They have three months until that pay per view. So they could always drag it out. But um, yeah, so I thought it was a good match. I'm glad MJF won, but it could have been a lot better. And it wasn't exactly the breakout performance that I was hoping for from MJF on this show. Pack and Orange Cassidy was just a lot of fun. This really had no business being as good as it was. Um, Two totally clash of styles, but that's why it worked as well as it did. Pack is amazing. Orange Cassidy really showed a new side to himself here, which is what he needed, because he's still overdoing what he's doing, but at some point, he's going to have to evolve the character. Getting in the ring and doing an actual match with someone is a step in the right direction, and you can't go wrong with Pac. I thought this was great. The only nitpick I had of the match was the interference, the needless interference from the Lucha Bros. It made more sense on Wednesday's Dynamite a little bit when it was established that, um... Pac, Pentagon Jr., and Phoenix are now the Death Triangle. They're a new faction in AEW. They gotta cool it and all the fucking factions. Some people may like it. But I find it a little hypocritical that people would say, oh, WCW had way too many factions and way too many people in each faction, and then we have like fucking uh, eight of them in AEW. Seems a little odd to me. Um, I don't think everyone needs to be in a faction. But, uh, you know, it has potential. They work well together. It was never really explained why they're a faction, what you know led to Pack forming a friendship with Pentagon and Phoenix, but they're all amazing, so I'm sure it's going to be a cool faction. And uh, that interference kind of led to uh, Pack picking up the victory as he should have. And then we got to the main event: John Moxley beating Chris Jericho. To win the AEW World Championship. And a very good match. I thought this was entertaining. I'm glad the interference they didn't go overboard with from uh, the rest of the inner circle like they did with the Cody match. I felt like there was a little too much. Here I understood what they were going for. It made sense. They told the story with the eye eye injury which never ended up being as bad as it was made out to be. Uh, Moxley was wearing a patch the entire time for like no reason. Uh, So yeah, I think they did a great job of it here. Great job of telling that story. And, um, uh, you know, with Moxley and the eye injury and eventually overcoming those obstacles and becoming the all new AEW world champion, just a very good match. It was the right time for a title change. I will say that Jericho retaining would not have made me mad, to be honest. Um, I think there's more matches you could have done with Jericho as the champion. Moxley, there was a few different options, not a ton. There's a few though. Um, you know, you could do him at MJF. That seems to be the most likely after MJF, I think, called him out on his backstage promo on Wednesday's Dynamite. You could do him in MJF, him in PAC, you could do him in Lance Archer, who he has history with, who we did not see on Wednesday's Dynamite, despite being advertised a week ago, on TV. They were advertising it on social media, too, before removing all mentions of it, so I'm not really sure why they did that. I guess plans changed, but why advertise them in the first place Um, just seems odd to me, but anyway... Uh, there's a couple different options for who Moxley can feud with, clearly Jericho and Moxley's not over, and we will see Jericho and Moxley at some point, um, a rematch for that AEW World Championship, probably in an upcoming episode of the show, and then they'll set something up for double or nothing with Moxley, and probably Pac, I would imagine, if they can continue to build up Pack in the next two, three months, uh, with wins, win after win after win, then it would make sense for him to, um, be going for the world championship a double or nothing I don't really know if Moxley and MJF is a world championship program and I would not take the championship off of Moxley so soon which is, I don't think Pack is going to win the belt which is why I would do Pack versus Moxley on that show overall though I thought this was a great pay-per-view um, I don't really know where to rank it in comparison to the other AEW pay-per-views I think it's kind of in line with them all it was a very good show not perfect because that opener kind of was poopy and the women's match was not great, some questionable booking decisions, and some matches, you know, the Cody MJF match met my expectations, it wasn't better than them, Um, the tag team title match alone made this show worthwhile, the main event was very good, a worthwhile title change, and you got to remember too, for a pay-per-view that's 50 bucks for most people, if not more money on Fight TV and elsewhere, you got to bring in the big moments, they didn't have anyone debut, mind you, but they did have a title change in one of the best matches you'll ever see all year in the tag team title match. So, I think that alone, those two things alone, made this show worthwhile. Um, Colt Cabana's debut on the pre-show is also pretty cool. So, uh, yeah, I think it was well worth the price of $50, and I'm looking forward to the next show. And the fact they're not doing this shit every month is good. It's not like they're expecting you to pay $50, $60 bucks a month. It's four times a year. It's 200 bucks a year. I don't think that's a lot of... I mean, it is a lot of money, but... If these are the type of shows that we'll be getting from AEW, if you're paying that type of money in 2020 for a wrestling pay-per-view, then I think it's well worthwhile because this was a, uh, a very, very good show. So before we wrap it up, again, uh, like I said, I have a lot to say about uh, Raw and Dynamite and NXT. Probably not full-on reviews, but I thought Raw was good. I was a little bummed. that know Alexis was pissed. I was bummed that we were not in attendance for Raw on Monday at the Barclay Center. Now, we could have gone, yes, but considering we were just at Evolve, We're going to the big event on Saturday, and I think those two things are more important than Raw. Um, We kind of had to cancel one thing. Not that we bought tickets to begin with, but I kind of figured, okay, we're not going to Raw because um, you know we're going to these other two events in New York City. I cannot travel the back and forth to New York City. Two weeks in a row was a lot. To go there three times in less than one week is just excessive. So I'm glad we didn't do it. It ended up being a very good show. It wasn't the greatest Raw of all time. It kind of died down after the tag team title match. But overall, I thought it was a solid show, um, if only for the first hour and then the last maybe half hour. So to kick off the show, he had Brock and, and Paul Heyman running down Drew McIntyre as a WrestleMania opponent before Drew came out and laid out Brock with a Claymore kick in decisive fashion. If that was the end of the segment, it would have been good. But then he went on to... Bro kick and bro kick, Uh, Claymore kick him again, and then for a third time, to a roar from the crowd. These people wanted nothing more than for Drew to lay Brock out on his ass. He was very over in front of this crowd. He came across like a complete star. That is how you get people over in 2020. Beating people down and beating them down and beating them down only for them to beat Brock in the end could work in some situations. Overall, it doesn't. It makes them less over and makes them look like losers, i.e. Seth Rollins from last year. That feud early on was hot. They really cooled it off by the summer when they had Rollins get his ass handed to him by Brock on Raw to the point where people were chanting for Brock to beat the shit out of him. That made no sense. Hopefully that's not what we see with Brock and Drew. Now, they do have a month before Mania. Brock's going to get his, you know, he's going to stand tall over Drew one of these days. Um, But in the end, they got to do the right thing. And put Drew over Brock. They can't wait for the rematch. They can't wait for SummerSlam. It's got to happen at WrestleMania. People are hot on Drew now. I mean, this is an old expression, but it it, it could never be any more applicable than it is right now to Drew and Brock Lesnar. You got to strike while the iron is hot. Drew is hot right now. They're getting him over. To their credit, they are getting him over. So for all the shit about WWE not creating new stars, which is true in more aspects than one, they are creating a new star right now in Drew, at least on the Raw side. Follow through up on it, follow up on it, follow through on his push, and put the championship on him when it matters most to WrestleMania. I thought the Street Profits on this show were also mega over. Um, they got a great reaction, probably the loudest reaction I've ever heard them get on the main roster. And it paid off because they won the Raw tag team titles on the show uh, on the show as well from Seth Rollins and Murphy in a very good match. Um, It was a rematch from Super Showdown. They probably said now or never no less than maybe a million times, uh, which was a little annoying, and it was never really explained why um, this was their now or never match. It's not like they've been on the main roster for 10 years, and they've never won the tag team titles. Like It's not like it's Hawkins or Ryder, you know, Hawkins and Ryder or whatever. It's the Street Profits. They've been on the main roster for maybe four or five months. This is only their fourth tag team title opportunity. I don't really see why this would be their final opportunity ever at the titles. So that kind of telegraphed the title change. But the crowd went nuts for it, and it was they were the right team to put the championships on going into WrestleMania. Now, do I see them being in a tag team title match of their own at Mania? Probably not. I don't. I don't see any, I mean, I mean them versus the OC. We've already seen a million times. They could do another multi-team match, but I feel like they're going to do that for the SmackDown tag team titles. I don't know what you do with these guys. I assume they end up in the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. I hate to say it, but it wouldn't be the first time we've seen tag team champions in the Battle Royal before. They put the Usos in the Battle Royal three years ago. They won the SmackDown tag team titles right before WrestleMania 33. So it wouldn't surprise me. But I thought this was the right time to do the title change. Um, Yeah, it would have meant more another time, but it was cool to see the title change nonetheless. And this was actually the same building, the Barclays Center, where I wanted to see them win the NXT Tag Team titles a year ago, take over New York, but they were in a different—you know—they just they didn't really work out at that point. They weren't ready to push them, and they ended up doing something. They ended up going in a different direction instead. Um, they might have actually lost on that show. Actually, they may have won on the pre-show. I don't remember. But either way, um, it all worked out in the end. They became the NXT Tag Team titles at the subsequent show. In Connecticut, the Takeover 25 show, which I was also in attendance for, so it worked out wonderfully. And uh, now they are the Raw Tag Team titles, or the, ra- the rather the Raw Tag Team champions. So I thought that was great. Unfortunately, not all of the show was awesome. We saw the glorified burial of Ricochet on the show as he lost to the 24/7 champion Riddick Moss in clean fashion. It doesn't get much worse than that, ladies and gentlemen. He is now officially in Cedric Alexander territory. He was also lost to Riddick Moss in a matter of minutes on main event, which is probably worse. Cedric I kind of get. They never really devoted enough time to getting him over... And he was never really fully, fully over on the main roster. Um, Vince gave up on him after the matches with AJ. Didn't really get him over. And I think Alexander is an amazing talent. I want to see more of him on Raw. They gave up on him way too quickly. Ricochet has been over. He was a, a guaranteed success story in NXT. A former United States champion. He's been floundering ever since he dropped that belt. He lost to Brock in 90 seconds last week at Super Showdown. And it's like, okay, it's kind of hard to bounce back from that. We, we are now being told to never take Riddick Moss seriously, or rather Ricochet seriously, as a top-tier talent in this company. He'll never be a world champion, blah, blah, blah. I mean, again, Kofi Kingston lost in eight seconds to Brock. That's one thing. Kofi's established. He can get over on his own with the New Day, whatever, the very next week. Ricochet isn't quite as established. He's only been here a year. He could bounce back. I'm not saying he's done for good, but if he wasn't done for good then, he definitely is now. Like I said, it doesn't get much worse than losing to Riddick fucking Moss. Mike Rome is a former 27 champion. How the fucking can, can Ricochet fail to win the 24-7 title from Riddick Moss? That's terrible. The match was no good. Nothing against Riddick Moss, but the guy is as bland as bread. So for him, of all people, to beat Ricochet is just insulting. This did way more to harm Ricochet than it did to help Riddick Moss. No one will remember the fact that Riddick Moss won everyone will remember the fact that Ricochet lost. This was terrible. Um, I've read reports, and again, unconfirmed, you gotta take it with a grain of salt. Of course, people will report this coming off of what we saw on Monday, and it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that this might be the case, that Vince has given up on Ricochet, and is now he just wants to bury him. So, It's one of those things where it's like, oh, you know, he's not getting over at the rate that I want him to, so we'll just go all out and bury the guy for no reason, which makes no sense to me. Um, It's a mindset I'm sure that the company has, specifically Vince McMahon, but to do that with a guy like Ricochet to me is just silly. He's so fucking talented. Drop the dumb superhero bullshit. Let him go out there and do cool shit. Yeah, his mic skills aren't the strongest. Pair him off with someone. Maybe they turn him heel and they put him with MVP. I saw someone ask me that on hashtag you some on Wednesday. I like the idea, but he, he shouldn't have to turn heel. He's a natural babyface, And turning heel isn't always the best option. We saw that with Bailey, which I was interested to see what they would do with it. And so far, it sucked. So maybe Ricochet is no different. But this was bad. It really, again, isn't. I cannot stress how bad this is. This was a fucking burial. I do not use that word lightly. This was a B U R I A L fucking burial of Ricochet on this show. Alistair Black was supposed to face AJ Styles one on one. Before the bell, we found out that, I mean, obviously he was bullshitting, but AJ said, oh, you got to go through Carl Anderson first. Face Carl Anderson, beat Carl Anderson. Now you got to go through Luke Gallows. Face Luke Gallows, beats Luke Luke Gallows. So this was, um, you know, uh, not good because the crowd was bored. I get it from a storyline standpoint. It put more heat on the OC, specifically AJ, to pick up the scraps and pin uh, Alistair Black. It didn't really do Alistair any favors, though, unfortunately. Um, This did mark his first pinfall loss on the main roster. Which is fine, but it kind of came across... It kind of came in anticlimactic fashion, which I was not a fan of. So I thought that was a little dumb. But um, I I wasn't really a fan of this. I'm looking forward to the rematch on Sunday at the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view. But I thought this match just was kind of disappointing. And maybe AJ's still hurt. I get it. But then don't do the match, you know? So hopefully the rematch is better. I'm not getting my hopes up. It is no DQ. I am fearing that the OC will interfere and beat him down for 10 minutes before AJ wins again. And if, if it's not going to be a handicap match at Mania, then it probably should be um, AJ going over. But if it is a handicap match, then I think Aleister Black should get his win back. That's just my opinion. Um, also from Raw, we saw Ruby Riot beat Liv Morgan with Sarah Logan as the special guest referee. Who gives a fuck? Um, Shayna Baszler versus Kyrie Zayn was a decent match. It really wasn't the right match to do for Shayna's first match on the main roster. I know I said on Twitter it was fitting, given their history in NXT, But unless they're going out there and having a very competitive match, I mean, it was competitive, but not in the right, not like it wasn't, it it can't be both. It can't be a dominant win for Sheena and then a competitive match too. I felt like that's what they were kind of going for here. So I wasn't a fan of that. Um, Humberto Carrillo and Rey Mysterio knocked off uh, Andrade and Angel Garza in tag team action. Carrillo pinned Andrade and will now face Andrade for the United States Championship at the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view on Sunday. Fun match here. And the Randy Orton-Beth Phoenix segment was amazing. This was easily the best part of the entire show, and I thought the Drew Brock stuff was great. The tag team title match was great. The tag team match was great with Carrillo and Mysterio versus uh, Andrade and Garza. This was the best thing on the entire show. You had to know where this was going as soon as, as Beth was announced to be on the show. You had to know Orton was coming out to lay out Beth. I thought there was a small chance Edge could come out and um, you know save her from getting attacked. And it's not like, oh, he's a bad husband. like He's still in storyline, you know, uh, rehabilitating from the injuries that he suffered at the hands of Orton about a month or so ago. So I get it. But I thought him on the mic here, Beth was very good too. Got to give Beth props for the performance that she put in the segment as well. But Orton was on another fucking level. He was so good. The master manipulator, they call um, Edge the ultimate opportunist. Orton is the master manipulator. He was so good in this role here. Absolutely amazing. Um basically trying to put the blame on Beth for for you know being her fault that he was getting back in the ring you know he did this to himself blah blah blah. I thought that was phenomenal. He came across like such a fucking prick it's like something that like uh an asshole husband or an asshole boyfriend would say to their girlfriend to alleviate the guilt or alleviate the blame and put it on them kind of play mind tricks on them obviously she didn't buy the bullshit she cried and I thought she had a very good performance, but she wasn't buying the bullshit. She slapped him, kicked him in the stomach, and then he RKO'd her on her ass. Um, I thought that was great. So I thought this was a very good Raw. The middle shit really bothered me. Some boring stuff there. Uh, We also found out Eric Rowan's cage, by the way, contained a fake spider. And storyline, I'm sure it's real, but it looked fake as fuck, and it was dumb as hell. That was so stupid. All that time for that... And again, I was never really getting my hopes up, but I would rather they just blow it off and or not blow it off at all. To be honest with you, if that was going to be the end game, I'm glad they did address the end game of the angle. But that re- that's what's been inside. He bit Eric Rowan, you know, it spat blood in, um, you know, in Eric Rowan's or one of his opponents' face a while ago. It uh, I don't know. It just it seems silly. Like it uh, it scared Mojo Raleigh a couple months ago. A fake spider, really. The, the conga line was, was scared shitless on this show. It was so stupid. But um, anyway, I thought that was uh, insanely dumb. Overall, though, I thought it was a good show. Uh, very quickly from NXT and Dynamite before we get to my Elimination Chamber predictions, which I completely forgot about for this coming Sunday. Um, NXT, a much better show than it has been in recent weeks, the Dakota Kai, Tegan Knox had a very good steel cage match. Dakota Kai winning with interference, or rather or interference, but also assistance from Raquel Gonzalez. So clearly the feud is not over. Uh, which is good. I'm not really sure what stipulation they would blow this feud off in. Um, assuming they do continue it. I would hope it's not over yet, and, and, and you know, Tegan Knox gets her win in the end. Uh, maybe last woman standing in Tampa potentially at Takeover. I would be uh, I would be down for that. Chelsea Green qualified for the number one contenders ladder match at Takeover and the number one contenders match for the NXT Women's Championship, beating Shotzi Blackheart. Uh, the match was what it was. Cameron Grimes challenged Keith Lee for the NXT North American Championship uh, for next week's show, so solid segment there. The Undisputed Heirs, Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish knocked off Oni Lorcan and Danny Burch in a very fun match. Austin Theory beating Isaiah Swerve Scott, another very good match. Um, Clearly high on Austin Theory right now are NXT officials. Um, He needs a bit more character development. He kind of of comes across as a little generic, but overall, though, the the kid has got it. For a 22-year-old, he has got it down pat. He is very good. The sit-down interview with Johnny Gargano and Mara Renallo I thought was great. Um, I thought that was just tremendous television. And overall, I'm looking very, I'm very looking forward to seeing what they do next with uh, Rinaldo or not Ronaldo. or Ronaldo, I guess. too, but uh, Champa and Gargano, right, Champa, Champa and Gargano, um, not the other way around. What did I say? Champo and Gargano, Champo and, and Gargano. And now it's Champa and Gargano. And then the Roderick Strong Velveteen Dream main event I thought was also very good inside the steel cage. From Dynamite, um, I already kind of gave my thoughts on it earlier. The handicap main event with the Inner Circles, Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara beating Darby Allen was very, very good, told a great story, clearly setting up some, uh, you know, some big culmination match, probably inside Blood and Guts, the match beyond the War Games match in a couple weeks. Jake Hager knocking out QT Marshall, uh, QT Marshall in a fine match, Pack beating Chuck Taylor, Jake the Snake Roberts making a surprise appearance, teasing a... Uh, A client who has got to be Brody Lee. That's a match made in heaven right there. Jake the Snake Roberts being the talker for a guy that doesn't really do much talking, Luke Harper, a.k.a. Brody Lee, now known as Brody Lee, makes too much sense to not do a lot like Broken Matt as the leader of the Dark Order. Uh, Big Swole knocking off Leva Bates in a glorified squash. Cole Cabana and Essie beating the Dark Order. No reveal of the exalted One on the show, which really disappointed me, but it was a good match, though. And then the Moxley opening segment, I that was great, too. So, uh, real quickly before we ride off into the sunset here, my predictions for Sunday's WWE Elimination Chamber pay-per-view. As of this recording, we only have six matches confirmed. I'm sure they'll add something for the pre-show. And they added, like, three matches to Super Showdown at the literal last minute last week. So, I'm sure they'll do the, I'm, I'm, I'm sure they'll do the same with this show. Uh, there's no, like, one match I'm, like, ve- not, like, very looking forward to. But um, it is worth noting neither of the World Championships will be on the line. Because Goldberg's in possession of the Universal title. Brock holds the WWE Championship. I mean, there's really, what are you going to do? So it doesn't really make much sense um, to have either Championship defended here after they were both already defended at Super Showdown. And another reason why the Elimination Chamber should be pushed back for another point in the year, because right before Mania makes no sense. Which is why The Miz and Morrison defending their tag team titles inside the Elimination Chamber also makes no sense. Because they just won the belt. They shouldn't lose them just yet why would they defend them inside the chamber? It makes absolutely no sense. I could see them doing a four-team match in Mania with Miz and Morrison, the New Day, the Usos, and Ziggler and Rude, or Rude and Corbin as per the original plan of Ziggler faces Otis. But, I mean, an Elimination Chamber, really? The last tag team Elimination Chamber match they did absolutely sucked five years ago. And actually, they did a women's one last year that wasn't that bad. Um, That was actually pretty good. This sounds like it could be a disaster, we'll say. Um, but I do. I do have Miz and Morrison retaining. I really see no reason for why the championship should change hands so soon. They just won the belts. They just reunited. So unless they're taking the titles off of them so they can face each other at Mania, which would make no sense right now, they got to win here. If anything, I could see the Usos winning because the New Day were just champions. The Lucha House Party ain't winning. Um, Heavy Machinery ain't winning. Ziggler and Rude were just tag team champions on Raw a few months ago. The Usos have not been champions in about a year. So maybe the Usos, but I would keep the belts on Miz and Morrison. Uh, For the Intercontinental Championship, Braun Strowman defended the belt against not one, not two, but three people. In Shinsuke Nakamura, Cesaro, and Sami Zayn. Who gives a fuck? The feud has been a complete waste of time. I love Strowman. I mean, I I not love Strowman. I I, I like Strowman. I really like Nakamura. The guy cannot feel like a bigger fucking loser right now. Who the fuck could possibly give a shit about this feud? Strowman has won every match for the last three months. And it's great they're booking him strong, but it doesn't do these guys any favors. And why the fuck are they getting a rematch anyway? There's no rematch clauses, we were told a year and a half ago. Why are they doing a rematch? It makes no sense. They're fucking losers. And they're going to be even bigger losers after they lose here. So stupid. I would love if they changed plans. They gave the belt right back to Nakamura, which would mean nothing at this point because he's been the, he's been booked to look so weak. But Nakamura versus Brian for the belt would be cool. But I assume they're keeping the belt on Braun, Abin, Faye, Sheamus, which is also cool. But I think Nakamura and Brian, if they do it, which they won't at this point, would have to be for the Intercontinental Championship. But who would even care at this point? Brian is directionless and Nakamura is a loser. So how much would that even mean, honestly, if they put the belt on Nakamura? But at the end of the day, Braun is still my pick. I still see him walking out still the Intercontinental Champion. For the Raw Tag Team titles, a rematch from Raw this week. The Street Profits versus uh, Seth Rollins and Murphy. Should be a fun match, as the other two matches were, but they just won the belts. Why would you give them back to Rollins and Murphy so soon? Um, I assume they are setting up Kevin Owens and Rollins one-on-one for Mania, so um, if you're going to do that, then you know he doesn't really need to be Raw Tag Team Champion, so the Street Profits retain. Andrade versus Humberto Carrillo. Honestly, I think Carrillo's walking out the new champion. I read a report a couple weeks ago, which, again, take it with a grain of salt, that Andrade may not walk into Mania as champion, probably because they weren't happy he got suspended. Um, They didn't take the belt off of him before he got suspended, but it is interesting because he got pinned by R-Truth in fluky fashion at the Super Showdown show, and then he got pinned in that tag team match on Raw, which made sense. The R-Truth thing was just weird. Um, I could see Carrillo winning here before losing it to Angel Garza at WrestleMania, and a Fatal Four Way with him, Andrade, Rey Mysterio, and and Carillo. So um, I think Carrillo wins it here. I don't know if it's set in stone; it, it could go either way. I would like Andrade to walk in WrestleMania as champion. He's already been champion for about two, three months now, despite missing a month due to uh, the suspension. But um, yeah, I think I, I think Andrade loses this here to Korea before he drops it to uh, Angel Garza at WrestleMania. So everyone gets a run of the championship, I guess. Um, Alistair Black versus AJ Styles. If, actually, given the time it deserves and if it's competitive, this could be great. But I fear with it being a no-disqualification match, it's just going to be a lot of OC interference with no one coming to the aid of Alistair Black. So I think AJ wins. Yeah, we could see Taker show up probably afterward, though. I would still really want a Black-Taker versus AJ and OC handicap match in Mania. I don't think we're getting it. Um... Otherwise I don't think they would have did what they I don't think they would have done what they did on raw if that's what they were setting up with Black losing. I don't think if Black doesn't team with Taker he's ending up in the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal which sucks. But I think he loses here, I hate to say. I think AJ wins. If he's facing Taker one on one, he kind of sort of has to win here. Um let's see. And then finally, which I assume has got to be the main event despite being the most predictable match on the card, the Elimination Chamber match that determined Becky Lynch's Raw Women's Championship opponent for WrestleMania at Sheena Baszler, and that's it, because we know she's winning, so why even bother running off the other opponents, but for for the sake of the predictions, also included in the match is Asuka, assuming she's cleared to compete by Sunday. She is um, injured, I guess. She injured her wrist a couple weeks ago. I think last weekend, actually, which is why she didn't wrestle Sheena Baszler on Raw, which is a blessing in disguise. That's a match I would save for down the road. Uh, we have Asuka in the match, and if not her, then Kyrie saying whatever. Ruby Riot, Sarah Logan, Liv Morgan, and Natalya. Obviously, Shayna wins. LOL, as she should. I mean, it just there's no match. There's no reason for the match. They should have Roman in the SmackDown Men's Chamber match. They should have done with those guys. They should have done one with those guys and not one for the women on Raw. It's just very bizarre. This whole paper kind of feels like a waste. Maybe it exceeds expectations, but so far it kind of feels like Hell in a Cell 2.0 where they're focused on all this other, sh- all this other shit. You know, they're, they're focused on Super Showdown. They're focused on WrestleMania. They're focused on all this other shit except Elimination Chamber. Uh, I'll be watching on a slight delay on Sunday, so hopefully it's a good show, but it kind of feels very forgettable. Really just a glorified stepping stone. Uh, for WrestleMania, if they knew they were doing a Saudi Arabia show in February, then cancel Elimination Chamber, it's that simple, back-to-back weeks of pay-per-views is fucking ridiculous, when one of those shows is completely pointless, Super Showdown was more newsworthy than this show, and that's saying something, so hopefully it's a good show, I'm not getting my hopes up, but my sights are kind of set on uh, WrestleMania at this point, and that's going to do it, guys, for Wrestle Rant Radio here today for Thursday, March 5th, 2020. Thank you guys, as always, for checking out the show. If you want new episodes of Wrestle Rant Radio every single Thursday, you can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, Google Play, uh, Next Air Wrestling. We're all over the place, so subscribe today, rate the show, review the show. We'll be back next Thursday with my full review of WWE Elimination Chamber and all the latest in the world of wrestling. And as far as me, you can find me on the socials on Twitter at WrestleRant, on Facebook at Facebook.com. Backslash Graham.GSM.Matthews and also on YouTube at youtube.com backslash C backslash Graham S. S. Matthews. So the big event awaits. I'll be looking forward to that on Saturday meeting Matt Hardy again. Very much looking forward to that and everything else on the road to WrestleMania. We'll catch you right back here next week, folks. Have a great rest of your week slash weekend. I'm Graham GSM Matthews and I'll catch your ass down the road.